Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I want to begin just by thanking you for the opportunity to speak here. Um, I might be a little bit nervous, but overall, I actually really do enjoy getting up in front of people and talking about what's on my mind. And not just talking about what's on my mind, but I enjoy the whole process of uh, thinking about what would I like to say and putting it down on paper and um, reworking it and so on. This is my third time speaking here. The first time was last summer when I spoke on Psalm 25. I chose that psalm because it was a psalm that I had spent a lot of time in over the course of the pandemic. It begins with the words, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And I really felt that over the last few years, that was something I was doing a lot of, just lifting up my soul to the Lord. So if you have some time this week, I would encourage you to read through Psalm 25, and I think that you will be blessed. The next time I spoke was um, last month, uh, where my talk was again inspired by one of the Psalms. This time it was Psalm 3, which contains the verse where the psalmist prays, asking God to strike all of his enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. And I just thought, wow, is that how we are supposed to pray for our enemies? And so that's what I spoke on. And so if you'd like to hear my thoughts on that, it's available online and you can have a listen to that. So I've been inspired uh, twice by the psalm. So this time I thought I'd like to move to a completely different part of the Bible and um, look at something else. The Bible is just full of so many interesting men and women. Some of them we read a lot about, and there's others that are mentioned only briefly and we don't hear um, a lot about. Um, And there's some people, I think, in the Bible that um, are really good heroes of the faith, and there's others that I think are a bit misunderstood. Now, what I like is when a speaker can pick a person out of the Bible and talk about them and get me to think about that individual, possibly for the first time, or possibly in a way that I've never looked at that person before. And that's what I would like to do for you this morning. There's a character in the Bible that I think we are all familiar with. And if you've gone to church for any length of time, you've probably heard sermons about this individual. And I think I can actually summarize for you every sermon that you've ever heard about this person because there only seems to be one sermon and it goes like this. This person is bad. Do not do what this person did. Jesus rebuked this person. So clearly you do not want to be like this person. Learn from their mistake. 
Well, this morning, I would like to introduce you to this individual in a new way, in a way that I hope will completely change your thinking about this person. But before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I am one of seven children, and we are all close in age. There are two boys, the oldest and the youngest, and then five girls in the middle. So I'm not the oldest child, but I am the oldest daughter. And so technically, I am a middle child, but I really actually think of myself as the oldest child. I was like a little junior mother growing up, helping to take care of my other siblings as best that I could. And I don't know what it's like for you and your family, but I can criticize my siblings all that I want to, and it's not a problem. But I do not like to hear anyone else say anything critical at all about any of my brothers and sisters, and I will defend them. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because the woman in the Bible that I want to talk about this morning actually has the same name as one of my sisters. And so I feel kind of protective about her, and I don't like people criticizing her. And that individual is Martha. Poor, misunderstood Martha. So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open them to Luke chapter 10, and we'll have a look at the passage that most people tend to think about when they think of Martha. So Luke is found towards the back of the Bible. It comes after Mark, but before John. And so the passage reads, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So, let's have a look at this passage. Well, actually, first, if I were to ask you the question, are you more of a Mary or a Martha, you would probably know exactly what I was getting at. I would be asking, are you the type of person that sits at Jesus' feet and soaks up all of his teaching, just basking in his presence? Are you able to put aside all of the cares and distractions of the world and just learn from Jesus, feeling the warmth of his love surrounding you? Do you have this angelic look on your face? Or are you like Martha, who completely misses out on what really matters because there is stuff to be done? Important stuff, like peeling the potatoes, setting the table, and stirring the gravy. When you think of Martha, do you think of a sour-faced old woman who never likes to have fun and who has probably never told a joke in her entire life? Is Martha something that you, someone that you want to be like? Well, if you ask me, I think I actually am more of a Martha than a Mary, but it's not for the reasons that I just described. 
most assume then when, if you ask if you're like Martha, they're saying, are you the type of person who tends to put practical details ahead of spending time with Jesus? Are you missing out on the good stuff because there is work to be done? But the truth is, I think that we're all like Martha, and I think that being like Martha is actually a really good thing. So let's look at this passage in Luke chapter 10, and let me explain. So beginning at verse 38, we read, Now it happened, as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Or the version I read a minute ago said that Martha opened her home to Jesus. So the first thing we read about Martha is that she welcomed Jesus into her house. The verse does not say that Martha reluctantly, while grumbling under her breath, um, allowed Jesus to enter her house. It doesn't say that she was resentful or irritated by the interruption to her day. It says that she welcomed him. There's a sense of warmth and friendship in this statement. A clear sense that welcoming Jesus into her home was something that she was happy to do. And so, in this way, I am like Martha because I too have welcomed Jesus into my home, as have, I'm sure, all of you. In fact, getting people to welcome Jesus into their homes is one of the goals we have as a church, as believers. We want people to experience the transforming power that Jesus brings. We want people to recognize their need for him. We want people to know that welcoming Jesus into their hearts and into their homes is the greatest decision they can ever make, and that the more time that Jesus spends in their homes, the better off they will be because of it. We don't function as a church just so that people will gain an academic understanding of who Jesus was. We're not here for a history lesson or to gain some Bible trivia. No, all of what we do as a church is so that people will come to a point where they know the truth about Jesus and that they recognize their need for him and invite him into their homes, just as Martha did. We want people to worship Jesus, um, and true worship of our Lord comes from that deep, intimate relationship that develops when we welcome him into our homes. Now, I've been a part of this church for 14 years. Back then, it was called Waterbrook, and we met in the Anglican Church's building. Barry Marston was the lead pastor, and Brad was the youth pastor. Our family had not been going to Waterbrook for very long. Um, Barry organized what he called Living Room Sunday. The idea behind this was that when you invite someone into your home, you get to know them on a, a deeper level. If you invite them just into your entryway, you get to know them kind of on a surface level. But when they come into your living room, you get to know them even better. So Barry encouraged everyone in the church to either invite another family from the church into their home or accept someone's invitation. So on that particular day, Living Room Sunday, everyone would either be hosting or being hosted by someone in the church. Well, on that day, um, Shannon Liu actually welcomed me and my family into her house, and she served us the most wonderful roast beef for lunch. 
On that day, Shannon was being just like Martha. She welcomed me into her home. She was kind, she was gracious, and she made us feel cared for. And this is just what Martha did with Jesus. She welcomed him into her home. And when you welcome someone into your home, the person gets to know you better, more intimately. They see more of what's important to you, like the kind of books that you read, the kind of stuff that you have on the wall, and so on. Welcoming someone into your home suggests friendship, a desire to spend time together and develop a deeper relationship. Welcoming someone into your home is a good thing, and it's what Martha did, and so in this way, I want to be like here. So there's two things we see about Martha. Martha was a woman of hospitality, and Martha was a friend of Jesus. Now, in Exodus 33, verse 11, we read, the Lord would talk to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Think about that. The Lord would talk to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This verse so much expresses the desire of my heart to speak to God face to face as one speaks to a friend. Imagine that, speaking to the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, face to face as a man or a woman speaks to a friend. That's what Martha had. Don't let one immature comment made by Martha distract you from who she really was. She was a friend of Jesus who welcomed him into her home. So, continuing on with Luke chapter 10, we read, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And there you have it, the one verse that everyone picks up on when they think about Martha. Martha was distracted. Martha was not perfect. And Martha's imperfection is actually a source of great comfort to me because I can totally relate to her because I am not perfect either. That's right, I am not perfect, neither are you. I say things that I shouldn't say, I think things I shouldn't think, and I do things I shouldn't do. Not all the time, but sometimes. Now, sometimes people think that quiet people, such as myself, can be like more angelic than the louder, more outgoing people. People sometimes think that quiet people are more patient, kinder, more self-controlled, and that we never lose our tempers. But that is not reality. <laughs> The truth is that I was a sinner who needed a savior, and I am a sinner who has been saved by grace. But sometimes I still mess up. I can be critical, I can be selfish, I can be rude, among other things. And if you ask my husband, he could, would tell you that I can be kind of sarcastic sometimes. And not the kind of sarcasm that's charming and witty, but just the mean kind. <laughs> Yikes, but there's hope, and it's found in Martha's story because Martha's imperfections did not disqualify her from a close relationship with Jesus. He did not say to her, well, now that I see what you're really like, I want 
nothing to do with you. And it's the same with me and you. Jesus did not give up on Martha, and he does not give up on any of us. And so if you ask me if I'm like Martha, my answer is yes, definitely yes. I am just like Martha, a woman who has welcomed Jesus into her home, but who still does not always get it right. And so Martha blurts out those famous words of hers. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come and help me. Martha is completely honest before God. She doesn't suffer silently and keep her concerns to herself, pretending to be a pious little church mouse while inside she's harboring resentment. No, she says what she is thinking, and I admire that in her. Um, we see this in other places in scripture where godly people bring their complaints before God. The great prophet Jeremiah, for example, asks, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet, I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do the faithless live at ease? Jeremiah is complaining to God about the prosperity of the wicked, saying it's just not fair. In Psalm 88, which I'm not going to read here because it's long, um, it's, this psalm is just one big long complaint to God, where the psalmist asks God, why do you reject me and hide your face from me? And my personal favorite is found in the book of Habakkuk, where Habakkuk asks God, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Lord, do you not care? Lord, are you listening? Lord, are you going to do something about my situation? These are honest questions, and we can take them to Jesus. We don't have to hide our true feelings from God. We don't have to suppress them. We don't have to pretend to be something better than what we are. Martha didn't. She said what was, she, was on her mind and blurted out the words, Lord, do you not care? Now, sometimes when we express our feelings to Jesus, his response will be words of comfort. Like when he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient to you. My grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes his response will be a rebuke. Like when he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. But there is good news. Jesus did not call Martha a brood of vipers, for example, and come down hard on her. No, Jesus' response to Martha was a rebuke but it was also one of tenderness. He begins by saying, Martha, Martha. Can you hear Jesus in a calm, reassuring voice repeating Martha's name? Martha, Martha. So why the repetition? I did a Google search on what it means when a person's name is repeated in scripture, and here is what I found. Repeating a name in Hebrew is an expression of intimacy. When God speaks to Abraham, for example, at Mount Moriah, as he is about to plunge the knife into the breast of Isaac, he says, 
Abraham, Abraham. Or when God encourages Jacob in his old age to take the trip to Egypt, he says, Jacob, Jacob. Compare the call of Moses from the burning bush, Moses, Moses. Or the call of Samuel in the night, Samuel, Samuel. Or consider David's cry of agony, Absalom, Absalom. And Jesus' cry of desolation on the cross, my God, my God. When Jesus confronted Martha, when he warned Peter, when he wept over Jerusalem, in each case we find the word repeated for intimacy's sake. So, even though Martha needed an attitude adjustment, Jesus' response to her was not harsh. It is tender and loving, and it's exactly the response that I want to receive from my Savior when I mess up, or when I get things wrong, or when I complain about stuff that I shouldn't, or when I say, Lord, don't you care? I want Jesus to say to me, Maria, Maria, you are worried and troubled about many things. And I'm sure that this is what you want for yourselves too, to have the same intimate, deep relationship with Jesus that Martha had. So let's look at another encounter between Jesus and Martha. Turn to the book of John, chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 20. Uh, this is a passage that takes place immediately after the death of Lazarus, who was Mary and Martha's brother. And so starting at verse 20, we read, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She told him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let me read that again. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It's a beautiful statement of faith from a woman who welcomed Jesus into her home, spoke with him as a friend, and was completely honest with him, and who in return was treated, with, was treated by Jesus with love and tenderness and respect. And for these reasons, I want to be just like Martha and confidently proclaim, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the example that Martha provides us in the words of Scripture. I thank you for the relationship that she had with you, how 
she was able to speak freely with you. And I pray um, for each of us. I pray that, um, Lord, if there's any of us here who have not yet welcomed you into our home, Lord, I pray that we would understand what that means, what that looks like. And I pray that we would each welcome you into our homes. And Lord, I thank you that you desire to have that relationship with us, that you are not a God who stands far off, but you want to enter into us, enter into our homes. You want us to speak to you as a friend. You want us to cast all of our cares upon you and that you will treat us with love, with tenderness, with respect, Lord. In your great and awesome name, Jesus, I thank you. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name.